The question, what are you building, applies to every part of our lives. The decisions that we've made have led to where we are, as have decisions in our circles that most influence us. These are choices that are related to work, or relationships, or health, or finances, or hobbies, or other life goals. What we intentionally or unintentionally give or not give determines what we are building for better or for worse. So this week, let's apply this to a particular thing. This can help us show how this works in general, but it may also, or will also, offer commentary on a specific area that most of my listeners are probably involved with. So for those of us familiar with or involved with a church in one way or another, this will be for you. Welcome to the Coffee House Contemplative Podcast. Last week's episode was about building. We weren't really talking about physical construction, although that is the chief metaphor that is being used here. It's, it's more about what we are building in our lives, or how we are building our lives. Every decision that we make builds something whether we intend it to or not. This includes the time and the effort that we put into what we do. This includes the amount of attention that we give to particular areas of our lives. This includes our intentions and our intentionality about those parts of our lives. And it includes also when we decide not to do something, either for reasons related to procrastination or out of fear of how it will turn out, or just by way of us coming to the end of our energy and resources for a particular day. As we build, we improve, we sharpen, we inch closer to our goals, we become more proficient, we improve our skill level, we build trust, we build efficiency, we build competence. Every time 
we intentionally decide to move toward something, even if it's just in a small way. Or, we build the opposite. We don't move forward. Or, aspects of our lives become neglected. Or, they eventually fade out. And this, too, may be by conscious choice, or it's inevitable by a series of choices that we decide, for one reason or another, not to change. The trajectory, then, will not change. But each of these decisions, small and large, they compound over time, and they build something. Whether it's what we intended to build is another story. Now, i got to be honest. I thought that last week's episode about building was going to be a one-off. I didn't really have any plans to follow it up or make it part of a series like I have said recently I intend to do more of. But the more that I thought about it, I have more to say about specific things. We've covered the theory, now let's maybe start applying it to particular objects or aspects. So, I have to warn you that we're going to be focusing on the church this week. And so any non-churchgoers who may be listening, you might not get as much out of this one, at least in the sense that you might not be all that interested in hearing about the decisions that churches face. But in a more general sense, you may be able to at least take away something of how this whole question of what are you building may apply specifically. So, with that set up, and with that forewarning, let's talk about what the church might be building a little bit. After World War II, American churches enjoyed a massive influx of members. Soldiers returned from the war, and they started families, and there was this incredible boom of social organizations that were started or that experienced a massive swelling of people. And this include churches. Churches, among other organizations, benefited from this. It became, churches became a massive center for socialization and connection. And so, 
to deal with this or to address it, to keep up with it, over the next few decades, churches began to expand. They built large educational wings and gymnasiums, and they held all kinds of events on their grounds, like festivals and vacation Bible schools. They would sponsor summer camps, and they enjoyed so much steady success. They enjoyed being one of the main games in town for socialization and for networking. Now, they also benefited from the wider culture. The wider culture would help these churches out quite a bit. There were laws and understandings that other businesses would be closed on Sundays. You may be familiar with what are called blue laws, where alcohol can't be served or can't be sold on Sundays because it is understood that's church day. You may even still live in a community that also does something like this on Wednesdays. I live in such a community where certain businesses are not open on Wednesdays, or at least they close earlier on Wednesdays, because of a remaining understanding that that is the night where many go to church activities. And you can still find other communities that observe this as well. Now, eventually, there began to arise more and more options for socialization and connection. Eventually, businesses did start to offer their services on Sundays. And so, some would begin to forego Sunday morning worship attendance in favor of things like shopping or other recreational activities. And eventually, this would include things like school sports practices and attendance and participation began to dip. This also included the emergence of other spiritual options. Now, recognizing that there have always been other spiritual options other than Christianity, but there has become a rise of appreciation for pluralism. Other religious traditions have been given more space. It is no longer the case that many communities just automatically stick a nativity scene in government spaces in the Christmas season, but instead maybe it has been removed or other religious symbols have been placed alongside them. Along with this has also come the rise of personal exploration. 
outside of being involved in a formal religious gathering or institution, people have branched off to seek out their own spiritual path. We have seen in recent years the rise of the term spiritual but not religious. That is, people who don't really connect with formal religious institutions, but do still maintain a sense that there is more to be explored, and they may be doing so on their own, rather than under the guidance of clergy or of a faith community. And so all of these different options, these increased options, have affected the church's place in society. Churches had built something for a few decades. And even after these changes began, they thought, many of them thought, that they could keep building in the same way. And everything that they had would hold the way that it did before. They would just keep offering the same educational programs, keep sponsoring camps, keep relying on community rules that made special provisions for them. They had enjoyed community prominence for so long, and they couldn't fathom that changing even after it did begin to change. And ever since, those changes have become greater. But many churches have decided, unconsciously or consciously, to just keep building in the same way. Now, there have always been exceptions to this. Movements that have tried to do something different and appeal to people in different ways. You think about the Jesus people from the 70s, mega churches in the 80s and 90s, the emerging church in the 2000s, and each of these in their own way have found resonance, while also dismissed by so-called mainline denominations, or maybe more appropriately, old-line denominations. And in turn, those older established models have just kept fading. And now, in the last 16 months or so, but really for about for a little bit longer than that, the timeline of change has sped up. And the decision of what to build and how to build it has become even more critical.
So at this juncture, churches face the decision of what to build or how to build in response to what has been happening culturally. Again, they don't face this decision in terms of physical space, although for some it does and it has involved that, but rather how churches decide to interact with the world. In other words, how they build their ministry and mission, their values, and their sense of purpose. And they face at least two options that they may consider that involve many little decisions along the way. And many have already chosen one of these, whether they realize it or not. They're already building. But the trajectory always has the potential to change. So the first of these two options is to just keep running the same old even harder. This carries with it the attitude that the true faithful are the ones who are hanging on. The true faithful are sticking around. There is this equivalence that is made between what the church is doing and what God wishes. And so part of this involves shaming those who choose other activities, shaming parents for choosing their kids' soccer games on Sunday mornings over and against coming to sing and to hear good preaching. This attitude involves lamenting the changes that have happened in the wider culture. Changes that used to, or changes to what they used to enjoy, special privileges and provisions. Now, there is less of that. And rather than respond to it, the choice instead is to hope that someday those privileges return. And as part of that, churches or Christian movements even try to manipulate laws and government systems in order to attain this privilege again. In the meantime, these churches run the same programs, the same system. They appoint or elect the same people to make the same decisions. Now, maybe along the way, these churches do make changes, except the types of changes that they make are very small, and they're usually just changes to some little aesthetic piece of what they do. They aren't really big, monumental, culture-shifting sorts of changes. They may just change the design of the bulletin. Or maybe they change the order of worship. 
Or maybe they change when they offer Sunday school. But they don't really alter the wider culture of what they are doing in any meaningful or lasting or noticeable way. But they keep insisting, what we're doing is right. And they, that is, lapsed members, people who have chosen other activities that have been made available to them, they are wrong. And this attitude causes these churches to become more insular. They don't reach out. They just reach in more and more, creating a smaller and smaller and more protective bubble around themselves. Where instead of reaching out, they insist that new people will just eventually walk right in. They'll notice the impressive new bulletin cover. They'll notice that the hymn that they used to sing in front of the sermon is now sung after. They keep building the same way. And they really end up building upon something that will continue to decline. To coin an old phrase, the system is designed to do exactly what it's doing. Now, the other option, of course, is to do something different. Now, that may sound simple, but it involves a whole lot to help a church get itself there. This involves things like paying attention to the results that they're getting, to pay attention to how the system is designed and the results that they are getting because of it. So they pay attention to those results. They pay attention to the wider changes around them. They pay attention to what they've been building in the past and they may have appreciation for where they've been, but they realize they can't keep building the same way because those things aren't doing what they used to do. And instead of becoming more insular, they keep their attitude outward. They look around at changing circumstances. They look around at how their neighborhood is changing. They look around at how the wider culture is changing, and they pay attention to what is needed in this new time and place. Maybe they notice their neighborhood's getting more diverse, and maybe they notice within that that there is a need or a series of needs as a result. And they roll with those changes. Rather than trying to keep themselves insulated against them. Or rather than lamenting them. 
rather than lamenting what this neighborhood used to look like or what the wider community used to look like or what the world used to look like. They instead ask, well, what do these places need now? And how can we respond faithfully and lovingly? This option involves not just small aesthetic changes, but big adaptive ones. Changes that adapt to the changes around them in response to the changes around them. Instead of saying, oh, well, we're right and they are wrong, instead, these churches may take a posture of learning, of learning from those who are not currently interested in what the church has to offer, to learning what these needs are, to learning what those interests are, to learn how they can best respond. They see that the system is designed to do what it's doing, and so they ask, what can we design instead? And so the result of all of these questions, all of these decisions, all of this paying attention, all of this learning, it leads to building something that is more malleable, adaptable, responsive, and open. Now, a disclaimer. There is no one decision that leads to either of these. This involves a lot of little decisions that build upon one another over months and really years and sometimes even decades. And there is no guarantee that every attempt to change will yield great success, however it is that you measure such things. It might not result in greater numbers in the offering plate or in the pews, but it could still yield something in terms of changed lives and in a greater connection to the community that a church is meant to serve. Again, great success in the traditional sense might not come, but realizing where past decisions have led and what they have built can influence decisions to build for the future. Again, this is just one possibility, one example among others. But you may be able to see ways in which you can apply this to relationships or to your work life or to something else that you're involved in that you have great interest in.
Making the big adaptive sorts of decisions can help you build toward what you wish. Whereas running the same old, same old will get you the results that you have already been getting. Choose wisely. Choose carefully what you are built. Consider what you have already been building as a result of what you've already decided. And from there, take a posture of openness in an effort to perhaps change the trajectory to build something greater. Thank you for listening to the Coffeehouse Contemplative Podcast. I'm Jeff Nelson. You can find more about my writing, including my four books, at coffeehousecontemplative.com. You can also find me on social media, facebook.com slash revjeffnelson, and I'm at boldroastrev on both Twitter and Instagram. Have a great week.